0: Welcome to Adventism 101. In this episode, Charissa Tarosian will talk about what relevance an ancient law could have in the 21st century. We hope this inspires you and strengthens your trust in Scripture. So, grab your Bible and enjoy. Mentioned, Matt mentioned in the last session, as in the Q&A, about how if there was just one generation that would follow God's uh, laws in sexual purity, just one, we could do away with all sexually transmitted diseases and the world would be a much happier place. Certainly when we look on the news and when we look in the newspapers, we see evidence all the time that this world is a really unhappy place. In fact, look at this. The average 18-year-old has witnessed 200,000 violent acts on media. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of of violence that people are seeing, and I'm sure that statistic just keeps climbing with each week, (laughs) with each passing day. What is the cause for the moral decline in society? What is the reason for it? Well, the answer is very simple. When we look at the Bible's last book, the book of Revelation, we see that there is a prophetic message that is to be carried to the whole world and it's the three angels' messages. And when the first angel opens his mouth, he opens his mouth and what does he say? Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. What does it mean to fear God, to reverence him? Very simply, it means... It's a call to obedience, and when we think about, you know, obedience, when we think about this world and what's going on, what we are seeing is everywhere, the great controversy being played out, this cosmic battle that began in heaven, began in heaven, Justin's going to share more about it in another episode later this week, but this cosmic battle that began in heaven has come down to this earth, this world is a battle zone, and we're seeing You and I have choices to make every single day. Will we fear God and give glory to him, or will we follow the crowd? Will we do what the powers of this world want us to do? When Jesus came to this world in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I heard a really wonderful uh, presentation on the kingdom of God just recently, and so I thought I'm going to try and frame this talk on the law of God in terms of the kingdom of God because when you and I hear the word kingdom of God, we don't really get that excited because we don't really know what a kingdom means. So for those who would have heard Jesus speaking, they understood that a kingdom has a King, and we have in Jesus a wonderful King. Amen. Uh, we have a wonderful Savior. Not only I just gave away my next point. Not only is He King, not only is He ruler overall, but He is also our Provider, our Redeemer. A King, a kingdom has a Provider. The King provides for you. The King is your Savior. He redeems you. He saves you. He rescues you from enemies. So this is part of the good news of the kingdom but not only that how can we fear God in terms of him being our king how do we reverence him the bible says in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man we look around us and we recognize that every single human being needs a heart transplant because the bible tells me that my heart is desperately wicked so i need i need god to work a transformation in my life and the glorious good news of the of the bible is that god wants to make that heart change in us that's the gospel and so part of this kingdom we have a king who loves us we have a redeemer and a provider that is jesus as well but every kingdom also has a constitution and this is where the law of god fits in when god gave his law to Moses, and he wrote it by his own finger in tablets of stone. Moses took those tablets of stone, and where did the tablets go? Into the ark. Where was the ark? It was in the most holy place. Now, this is amazing. Watch this. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 19, John says, Then the temple of God was. Opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and an earthquake and great hail. This is those lightnings, thunderings, noises, all of that is an echo back to Exodus when God gave his law to his people uh, there on Sinai. But this is amazing because John saw the ark of the covenant in heaven. What's in the ark? god's law you see god's law is his constitution the temple in heaven containing the ark of the covenant contains god's holy law it is the foundation of his character revelations answer to the lawlessness that is all around us in our society is is found in heaven at god's throne in his eternal standard of righteousness his law is that good news I think it's wonderful news, because we need a standard of morality outside of ourselves. Like I said, my heart is desperately wicked. If I define what is right and what is wrong, it might change according to how my feelings are or what suits me. But God's law never changes, and that's the beauty of it. God's law is the basis of His government. It was established to ensure peace, order, and harmony, and unity in a broken universe. A broken law brings sorrow, suffering, bondage, and death. And yes, we don't have to be, you know, experts in theology to know that. Some wonderful texts in the Bible about God's law is right here in Psalm 19 verses 7 to 11. In fact, the longest chapter in the Bible is all in meditation. David just loves thinking about God's law. He just can't stop thinking about it. But here he says that the law of the Lord is perfect. What does that mean? I heard, I was in visiting a Bible study group once and I heard someone say a really good definition, I locked it away. Uh, This is what I heard, if something is perfect, nothing can be added to it or taken from it. It's perfect. It's perfect as is, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And then in verse 11 there, Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is what? Great reward. So God's law is not to burden you. Already we're seeing it's to bless you, and actually if you look at what the Bible says about God's law. This is an amazing list there. Happy to share it with you later, but everything that the Bible says about God's law, it says about God himself, because the law of God is a transcript of the character of God. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what the king of the kingdom is like, study his constitution see the foundation of his government and see how it is love god wants you to be free from all the terrible things that we experience and enjoy an abundant life and we know this even from our own society i often struggle with speeding laws but but they're there for our good they're there to keep the roads in order even you know do not smoke that's to protect the people around you as well so we understand this in fact I couldn't find, like, well, I did find it, but I didn't want to change my wording here on this graphic. But in December 15, 2020, a 38-year-old woman fell to her death at this park from that point right there in Victoria's Grampians National Park as uh, she actually got over the safety barrier because she was trying to pose for a photo. She lost her balance and fell. It was terrible. But, like, the law of God is like a safety barrier. It's keeping us safe from all the terrible things that could harm us and hurt us, which is why I loved, um, I was listening to the presentation in the young adult tent last night by uh, David Asherick, and he highlighted that God's law doesn't begin with what many people think. In verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. It begins before that in verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, I've set you free, now because you are free, this is what freedom looks like, you won't have any other gods before me, because you have me. You can see actually as you look through the Ten Commandments, and I encourage you to take some time later to just reflect on how they are written really in the language of promise. When we say yes to Jesus, we say no to everybody else. And the Ten Commandments are almost like wedding vows, saying, yes, I want to keep myself for him and him alone. It's a safety barrier for us. Jesus summarized... The whole law in Matthew 22 verses 35 and 40 he said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and this is the first and great commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments hang how much all the law and the prophets and I love how someone described it to me when I was a kid it's like a door that hangs on two hinges. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Um, we could just keep going through, and I'm going to fly through these. James 2 talks about how God's law is described as the law of liberty, a law of freedom. That's the kind of law I want to be, be obeying. Uh, in 1 John 3, 4, the Bible says that whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin. Is lawlessness. So it is by the law, the law gives us that standard by which we can actually define what sin is. It's the breaking of God's law. It's ignoring what God says. So just as a mirror doesn't do anything to us except show us where the defects are in our lives. So too, God's law is that great mirror. We stand before it, we see where our, our insufficiencies, we see where we fall short of God's divine standard. And when we look at that mirror, the purpose of the law is to point us to our need of a savior. And this is the gospel of the kingdom because there is a savior, there is a king. There is a Redeemer who loves you, and He will save you. If you come to Him and confess your sin and repent, He wants to shower you with His love, and He wants to forgive you, cleanse you, and empower you to live for Him. Um, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we're reminded that we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. So then, does that mean that we can disobey God's law? No. The Bible says in Romans 6:14 and 15, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Paul answers his own question. I'm so glad he did. Certainly not, he says. And um, Billy Graham was once asked, some religious people I know tell me that the Ten Commandments are part of the law and do not apply to us today. They say that as Christians, we are free from the law. Is that right? This was the answer. No, it is not right, and I hope you will not be misled by these false opinions. It is very important to understand what the New Testament means when it says that Christians are free from the law. It certainly, he says, does not mean that they are free from the obligations of the moral law of God and are at liberty to sin. If you agree, you can say amen. Amen. <laughs> I agree with him and so I love um, how C.D. Brooks famous Adventist preacher uh, explained the relationship between law and grace it is by the law the law gives us the standard of God's character but it is by law that we understand what sin is because sin is lawlessness it's the transgression of the law and so because of sin we need God's grace extended to us and Part of that amazing grace, that whole grace is encapsulated in a savior who came to live and to die for us. He took our place. This is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus, amen. And this is why preachers exist, to preach the gospel, because Jesus said that we should to the whole world before he comes. And churches are established so that the gospel can be preached as well. If we do away with the law of God, then there is no definition of sin. Then there's no need for grace if there's no sin. There is no savior. There's no need for Jesus to die because we don't need God's grace because no one has sinned because there is no law. Uh, The gospel is no longer good. There is no gospel anymore. The preachers can pack up and go find other careers and we should close all of our churches down as well. So you can see how foundational God's law is to his kingdom. As I come to land very shortly, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to destroy. Is that what he said? He said, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He filled the law up with meaning. And if you were listening at the last presentation last evening about the Sermon on the Mount, you heard how Jesus took took it to a new level. He filled it up with meaning. In Romans 7, 7, again, shall we sin? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. Two more points. Part of a kingdom, you have a king, you have a provider and a redeemer, you have a constitution, but a kingdom is also made up of people. And in God's kingdom, look at what it says in Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Those who are part of God's kingdom, uphold God's constitution, God's law of liberty another one revelation 12 17 the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of god and have the testimony of jesus christ last point you have a king you have a provider redeemer who has a wonderful constitution there is a people in his kingdom and he has a place every kingdom has to have a place and so the last point here look at this revelation 22 verse 14 Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and they enter through the gates into the city. If you want to be part of God's kingdom, we should love God's law because those who love his law, they have entrance into his eternal kingdom. And so we see that the law is perfect. The law of God is perfect so perfect that it could not even be changed, so that Jesus didn't have to die to redeem us. Because the law would not change, the law remained unchanged. Jesus came to die for us, so he took the penalty of the broken law upon himself. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of the King, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus' appeal to you and I today, it's still before lunch, is if you love me, keep my commandments. Our obedience to him and his constitution is our love response to him. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 3, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And my last slide is this one. Hebrews 10:16 says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds i will write them i believe that god's great desire is to write his law on the tablets of your heart so that he can take us from this world when jesus comes again he will take us from this world to be with him in his kingdom the most holy place in the whole universe Just like the Ten Commandments were in the Ark of the Covenant, in the most holy place, in the earthly sanctuary, God wants to write his law on our hearts so he can take us to be with him in that wonderful place, his kingdom that he has promised to us. Thank you for listening to Adventism 101. If you like this talk, make sure you tell your friends. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you're listening right now. This conversation was brought to you from the North New South Wales Evangelism team and recorded during Big Camp 2022.